Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Heroes, this week I talked with Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games about his game Capers and the supplement that's currently on Kickstarter, Capers Noir. We dig into how and why Capers utilizes playing cards instead of dice and how that changes the feel of the game and the mood at the table. We also look at how the Noir supplement differs from the original Capers, both narratively and mechanically, as well as the other supplements Craig has planned for the future of this game. This one was a lot of fun, just like Capers, so I hope you enjoy. Let's get to the show. Hey there, heroes. This week, I am joined by Craig Campbell to talk about his game Capers and the upcoming Capers Noir. Hi, Greg. Craig? I just said Greg. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, boy! Greg is my evil twin. He no. reports to me. Hi, Megan. Hi. <laughs> it, you know what? It Honestly, it's one of those things It happens all the time. I've actually gotten to the point of whenever I give my name at like a restaurant or for any mm. of that type of thing, I just do Campbell. I do my last name. Because oh, people go. mishear Greg all the time. Yeah. It's so. wild. I'm looking right at it. I know what it is. <laughs> and just the, you know what? There we go. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. This will only get better from here. An auspicious <laughs> start. It's all yeah. uphill. It is. It's so good. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, some projects that you've worked on or places that heroes might know you from? Sure. My name's Craig Campbell. I'm the owner and lead designer at Nerd Burger Games. Um, I've done a whole bunch of freelancing stuff for many years, uh, primarily for D&D through the fourth and like late third and fourth edition eras, and then a little bit of Pathfinder, a little bit of uh, Iron Kingdoms, a couple of other indie games. But over the past uh, several years here, I've been doing stuff myself. And I published a game called Murders and Acquisitions um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. And that's all about uh, fighting your way up the corporate ladder in a really absurd corporate world. And last uh, October, I published Capers, which is a super-powered game of gangsters in the Roaring Twenties. And um, I'm mm-hmm. kickstarting a little something for that. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Uh, and then I... Um, like in October of last year, like as Capers was going out the door, um, I also kickstarted and, and just recently published a game called Die Laughing, which is a horror comedy game, sort of a short play, no GM mm-hmm. uh, game that uh, the, the, the conceit is that everybody is playing a character in a horror comedy movie and you're all going to die. It's yep. that you just buy into it when you're going to do it. And um, by the end, maybe there'll be a survivor. And it's just, uh, you know, make it as, as gory and silly and funny and whatever you can and uh, just have fun with it. It plays in just an hour or two. Although I believe you're familiar with that one. Yeah, I did get to play that at a catacomb. Um, and it was. It was very quick. And it was very silly. And unlike other games where you're trying so desperately not to die, it's actually kind of fun to die in, in this game. <laughs> you want to. So it was really good. I've had people, um, just as a you know, comment about the game, is uh, like when, when, when your character dies, there's still things for you to do. You become a producer on the movie. And so you continue to mess around right. with the story as you go. And I've actually had repeat players who, like after they play it the first time, they realize how much fun it is to be a producer. And they race to death as quickly mm-hmm. as possible in, the, in subsequent games because they want to get the producer points. And because once you're a producer, nobody can screw with you. Yeah. You can just mess around with the story however you want. It's very satisfying. Um, and still influence, and you can still be a director and, and narrate scenes and things. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Oh, cool. So that's so that's upcoming. Now, re- remind me, we played um, like a high school murder mystery. I, I remember we were all high school tropes. Is there Are there other like, play sets, or was it is it all high school? Um, in the game, there's 24 characters. And the way it's broken out is there are eight that are sort of your classic um, high school young adult type characters like the jock and the cheerleader and the stoner mm-hmm. and so forth. And then there are eight that are kind of the adult characters that you see in horror movies that are like uh, the teacher and the cop and the office drone. And then there are eight that are kind of weird and they, they tend to have string, you know, their, their, their special rules for the characters are a little more out of the, out of the ordinary. There's things like um, the character who knows they're in a horror movie um, mm. the, the monster's helper, so you can actually play like the Renfield type, who's <laughs> actually kind of on the side of the monster. Excellent. <laughs> um, and a few other weird things like that. So you can mix and match however you want. Oh, cool. Oh, man, we'll, we'll look forward to that one then. But we're going to focus on Capers, which I didn't realize just came out with, a couple months ago. That's not too long ago. October of last year, yeah. yeah. 
That's wild. And you're jumping right into doing another Kickstarter. You you brave, brave soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker. Hey, you know what? Well, if it works, it works. So we haven't actually talked about capers on the show before. So I definitely want to get into what this game is. So so what is what is capers? Um, well, it's a super powered RPG of gangsters in the roaring 20s where you portray uh, gangsters and bootleggers and ne'er-do-wells who are out to make a buck to to live that lavish lifestyle. And when I say lavish, I mean like, you know, the idealized movie version of 1920s gangsters, because mm-hmm. in reality... And you're also playing kind of the, the cliche, kind of sure. the fun version of those characters, because yeah. in reality, they were murdering thugs. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, or you can also in the game you can play members of law enforcement and you can uh, you can hold the thin blue line and try to uh, to beat back the huge in- increase in illegal alcohol importation and production that happened because of prohibition uh, because yeah. the the United the United States government was in no way shape or form ready to deal with organized crime um, when prohibition went into effect but you have superpowers and basically we're talking kind of like mid range. X-Men, B-Team kind of superpowers. Nobody's um, mind-controlling an entire city or anything ridiculous mm. like that. Okay. So it's kind of cool stuff that your characters can do, but you still have, you know, like your skills are still important. A Tommy gun is still pretty deadly. Okay. That's good to know. What got you started making capers? <laughs> Process of elimination, kind of. <laughs> okay. Um, I had done murders and acquisitions before that, and M&A is set in the modern day. And uh, But it has a series of plug-and-play kind of add-on rule chapters where you can add other fantastical things to the game if you want to have, like, a different setting. So you could add um, magic and monsters and have sort of an urban fantasy kind of version of the game. Or you could add... There's actually a cosmic horror chapter, so you could add, like, terrible beings from beyond the edges of our reality. And, uh, and I, you know, I even suggest in the, in, in the book that you could combine some of the magic, a few of the monsters and cosmic horror and effectively play like you're at Wolfram and Hart from TV's mm-hmm. Angel. Um, so like the evil law firm, and that's where you're all... Interesting. You know, so you can be Lindsay and, or uh, <laughs> or Lila and trying to claw your way up the, the, the ladder there. But I had done all these little add-on things, and I was like, okay, so what should I do for the next game? Well, I just did some magic-y stuff, and I did some tech stuff, and there's an apocalypse thing in there, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, what about supers? And I started kind of bouncing around ideas on supers, and I was like, you know, there's an awful lot of games that are kind of modern day capes and cowls, classic superheroes and supervillains. Yeah, uh, there's they're, they're out there. If you're looking for one, you can find one that'll suit your liking. So I started looking at um, like little twists and quirks that might make, might uh, might make it interesting, and taking it to different periods of of time. And I was watching Boardwalk Empire. And had this moment where I was thinking, well, you know, Al Capone was um, really tough and violently strong. What if he was actually super strong and super tough? Like, oh, super's wow. version. And I think, you know, and so it just kind of sprung from there. And Like, what if Lucky Luciano was really preternaturally lucky? Okay. And uh, it, it built from there. And I just kind of started exploring that idea. That's really cool. I, I kind of thought it maybe it went the other way, like, oh, 1920s, but we've done some noir already or some, some like, gangster things. What if, that's, that's cool, though. So uh, building the game, then, when you, when you have this idea, like, did you know that you wanted to build, and build it in its own system? Um, did you have thoughts about that? Um, I considered uh, hacking, as Modifiers, you know, likes to talk mm-hmm. about. I, I considered taking the, the system, the dice system from M&A, and just kind of, you know, maybe expanding and exploring that further. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, there, it was one of those things that, like, making M&A was, like, a challenge to myself. I had done all this freelance in other games, and I challenged myself to make my own game. And so I got to yeah. Capers, and I was like, well, okay, I've, I've made a game, but what can I do about this that can be challenging? And, like, setting it in a different time period and having to do more world building was part of the challenge. And... I've always loved Deadlands, in particular the original version of Deadlands, as, as clunky as it can be sometimes. But it uses mm-hmm. playing cards um, in a number of uh, portions of the, the rules mechanics. It still uses dice, but it, there's a lot of playing cards in there. And so I was always intrigued by the playing card thing because it's a Western, it's poker, and it makes sense. Sure. Um, and then I, it, got in, it, it just wormed in its way into my head thinking, okay, these, these, these gangsters are certainly working in illegal alcohol, but they're also... 
running racketeering and prostitution and illegal gambling houses. Mm-hmm. And so like the idea of, of using playing cards and building a mechanic that felt a little bit like gambling, but not for money okay, <laughs> in, sure. instead for, you know, character success was intriguing. So I, I, I delved into that and eventually uh, kind of came up with the, the very basics of the system that I had play tested a little bit with friends and, People seemed to think it was kind of neat. And then I built it out from there and then eventually went into a broader playtesting and learned a lot more about the system and all those strange and wonderful things you can do with playing cards that you can't really do with uh, with dice or not as easily anyway. Yeah. So what, what are yeah, what are some <laughs> things that you can do with playing cards that you can't do with dice? Well, running on the assumption that okay, I'm gonna cover the, the basic mechanic real quick first. Yeah. Yeah. Um Whenever you need to make a trait check or any sort of power check that needs actual success or failure checking, you have a number of cards that you can flip. And you might have only one, you might have as many as five. And that's referred to as your card count. So on your turn, when you're going to make your check, you flip one card. You've got a target score that you're shooting for. The the GM knows what that is. As a player, you don't. And the pip value of the card you flip determines success or failure. And the suit of the card determines the degree of the success or failure. So you could flip a king of clubs, and a king is very, very good, but clubs is the worst suit in the game, so it's barely successful. Mm. Do you want to keep that bare success and and, ta- and take a, um, a complication, or do you want to flip another card and try for a, a, a high enough success with a better suit and potentially fail? So that's the... And you can keep going as long as you want until you run out of card count or until you decide to stick with that card. Oh, interesting. So, okay. you know, and with that kind of a situation, if you don't reshuffle your deck right away, you, you do eventually in the game, but if you don't reshuffle right away, a playing card deck has a history. Dice don't. You roll a d20, you've always, you know, assuming it's well balanced, you've always got a 1 in 20 chance of any given result. With a deck right. of cards, I start flipping cards and I start blowing through, let's say, a lot of 3s, 4s, 6s. Well, now, in my head, I know a lot of the lower cards are out of the deck. I've got a lot of tens and face cards in there, which are big success cards. I can start taking more chances. Oh, okay. trying for bigger and better things because I've got a higher chance of success of doing something really cool. You know, convert, and then vice versa. If you've got a lot of bad or a lot of your high cards are out of the deck, you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to be a um, lot more hesitant. Yeah, you become a little more conservative, potentially. Yeah, Although I've, I've noticed, yeah, <laughs> it's it's totally, it's based on individuals. Uh-huh. I have seen, I have seen players who have had like um, bottom heavy decks, like low card heavy decks, and they're just flipping cards like crazy, trying mm-hmm. to do something. Here we go. It happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the cards have a history, so you can kind of count the cards. Every card has a lot of different values to it that you can work off of. It can be the pip. Uh, the pip value of the card, you can look at the suit, you can look at the color, mm. odd versus even, suit, uh, uh, face card versus not, mm. aces can be cool, deuces can be bad, jokers can be different. You know, you could assign, if you went so far with it, you could assign, assign something really interesting flavor-wise to king, queen, and jack just because mm. they have a, you know, a particular uh, aesthetic right. to them, whereas a number is just a number. Um, so there's a lot you can do. So that's, you know, I kind of built using the suit and the color um, and the aces are always really good. And the jokers, there's one, there's a good joker and there's a bad joker. And the good oh. joker is really, really good. And the bad joker is really, really bad. Excellent. So, yeah, so it sounds like Capers takes advantage of all, all those different aspects of these cards. Like, it takes advantage of quite a few. Um, okay. it, but it does just flip one card at a time. Yeah. You know, you never build a hand and have to choose a card out of a hand. Oh, okay. So that's something I'm exploring for a subsystem to, to deal with, uh, vehicle chases in combat yeah of of having like a the thing where you're you're drawing cards you've got a few cards in your hand and you're gonna be bidding a card Mm. there's 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 something in the works yeah so just exploring like i said i like to i like to challenge myself and explore the system a little yeah absolutely and you mentioned earlier that that the player can keep flipping through the cards right sure right so at at what point what's keeping them from going through their whole deck um, well, it's, it's, it's base. it's very, it's loosely defined in the game. It's, it, it, there's a basic, a basic, uh, limitation to it. Basically, it's like, okay. it's, the GM calls for a reshuffle after like, you know, a handful of minor encounters or after like a major encounter where a lot of cards mm. get flipped. But 
that's also one of those things that, you know, different tables can play in different ways. If the group wants to really bleed through their deck mm-hmm. quite a lot, um, they can. Okay. And you could you could play it like that where you really, you know, you're, you're getting to like the last 25% of your deck and you, you, you know much more about what's going on. Yeah. Um, with, with the rest of that deck. So you, and you could play it a lot of different ways. Okay. Does something happen when you get to the end of your deck? Um, it's not designed to go to the end of the deck. Although uh, I've, okay. <laughs> I've had, I've had discussions with people about doing like a horror or kind of dread style game where you do go all the way through the deck and what happens when you hit the, you know, when you yeah, run yeah. out of cards, um, and having that be like some big thing, but I don't know what that game is yet. Okay. That's interesting. When you said about then making capers, what is, what's kind of the overall experience you wanted people to have with this game? Well, at it, at its heart, it's um, you know it's a, effectively a, you know a, an action adventure story set in the twenties. You know, playing off of the tropes of gangsters, movies, and, and television and comics and so forth with superpowers. So you kind of blend some of the superpower kind of stuff in there, and it's intended to be you know entertainment. Effectively, just mm. I want you to have fun and do cool stuff with superpowered gangsters. Um, but the mechanics also kind of. Um, you know, when I when I saw really what the what the game mechanic could do, I started mm-hmm. to make sure to kind of pay attention to like there is a certain tension yeah. at the table with that mechanic because you're always taking a chance every time you flip a card. It's a little bit of a risk, hmm. and so uh, I, I made sure to kind of not lose that as I refined the system and ran through play tests. And I came to realize that it's not only a tense thing for the person who's flipping their card; mm-hmm. it's everybody at the table. Because, oh. you know, like, and you, you see it with dice games where somebody, you know, like everybody looks to see and when somebody rolls the 20 for the crit, everybody cheers. Hey, mm-hmm. but that's, you know, that, that tends, that's over quickly, right? Like, boom, it's done. Whereas the card flip thing might take a couple of seconds to flip the cards and you've got other people at the table saying, keep going, keep going. You've got a lot of high cards. Go, 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 yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they think it's, everything's great and they've got like down to the last card and then they get a deuce. Or the bad joker and the whole table just goes, oh, man. It's, I've, I've, I've come to think of it in my head as the craps table effect. Yeah. When, if, if you're playing craps, there's a shooter who's rolling the dice. Mm-hmm. But everybody else at the table usually is betting with the shooter. Sometimes there are some of those a-holes who bet against the shooter. Right. But usually you bet with the shooter because it's a big thing. And, you know, the shooter wins, everybody wins, and it's a big party. And that yeah. kind of happens... Um, at times, anyway, um, at the table with capers. Interesting. So tell me a little bit more then about the playtesting experience you've had with capers and kind of how how that changed the game, or or, or did it? Uh, it? It changed, in particular, it changed my approach to the game. This is something I've told people many times before, but I'll share it with you. Please. Because uh, I'm here, and you are too. So basically, you know, I... I I thought of this game, it's like, okay, it's a supers game, it's set in the 20s, you're gangsters or cops. And I started playtesting and getting it out into the hands of people who aren't my friends um, and having strangers play the game. And I was getting feedback, and it occurred to me after about the second round of playtesting, I'm not making a supers game. I'm making a gangster game. Ah, okay. Where the gangsters happen to have superpowers. And that flipped everything about what I was doing, because it opened up like how I was approaching developing the setting and making sure that the setting is robust and interesting and, and true to the 1920s, but with its, you know, alternate history that's kind of there. And um, making sure that, you know, like, sure, you're describing these characters as having superpowers, but you don't, you know, you don't do a two-paragraph write-up on an NPC and do nothing but talk about their superpowers. You talk about what they want as a gangster or a cop or whatever. Mm. Like, what are their motivations? What are their relationships with other people in, in in terms of law enforcement or crime, as opposed to, like, who their arch rival is in terms of superpowers? Yeah. Um, although you can certainly have those things. So it... Uh, you know, it just, it informed all of that. Um, it certainly helped me to refine the powers. Um, you know, I had a couple of playtest groups that helped me uh, shoot down, like, the infinite money power. That was almost a mistake. <laughs> um, and also the instant death power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so there were, you know, a few things that, uh, and I'm sure, you know, to be honest, for people out there that really like to break games, there's probably something in there. 
<laughs> but that's okay because the game is intended to provide you with fun. Yeah. And if this, you know, and, and if and if Joey's fun over here is breaking the game and finding the death combo, and he finds it, then I've given him fun. There you go. So I'm all good with that. Oh, I like that way of looking at it. Were did anything other than those the, the superpowers that you mentioned? Did anything come up in playtesting that particularly surprised you that people did? I think I think playtesters were the first people to point out that like how engaging it was for other players who weren't doing the flipping mm. at the table. I had I hadn't really noticed that myself playing things because I think I was probably in my head too much, like examining like every little thing about how it's going and what you know what's working and what's not and da 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 I wasn't paying attention enough to the other players. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the things that that playtester pointed out for me pretty quickly. Um, That's cool. And there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of requests, you know, as there can be with playtesters for for a number of things that you know in some cases I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, you know, this kind of a power or, or this, yeah. this subset to the rule or like adding something to the rules. And then there were, you know, there were some things that people suggested, like, I really want this, this, and this. And I'm like, mm. this game isn't that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a really fun game. You should make that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not this game. Um, oh, man. So I had to, I had to kind of pick and choose, but. Okay. If you don't, if you don't engage the playtesters and, and let them throw those ideas at you, you know, sometimes you miss out on on a really little a golden nugget of of really awesome game stuff that you maybe wouldn't have thought about. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the superpowers, then, do players have a, a list to choose from, or do you give them guidelines on how to create a power? Or, like, how do you tackle that so that they don't become game-breaking superpower you know, fun killers? <laughs> um the uh, the character creation system, you know, it, it takes you through. It's pretty simple. You just, you know, you spread your, uh, you spread some numbers around for traits. You pick some skills. You got a few static scores, and then everybody gets to pick a power or two. And there are major powers and minor powers. You know, things that are more powerful and more broadly useful, and then there, you know, minor powers tend to be flashier and more specific. And uh, and then there's character advancement where you can add more, but you're never really gaining so many that you're becoming like, you know, hey, I've got all the powers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could play a character that has, you know, seven or eight powers, but they'll be all these really minor powers and you'll have a lot of little interesting tweaks. It'll be, it'd be kind of like playing, uh, like a, playing a wizard that has like 30 first and second level spells. Okay. Where yeah. you, you've got all this little cool stuff, but you don't, you know, you never quite got really big with one or two things. And there's a, there's, there's 40 powers in the game. Um, you can pick from, okay. uh, from the list. There's actually, um, a, an index in the back where you can flip a card to randomly pick a power. Oh, cool. And uh, each of the powers has like a, a standard effect built into it, but then each power has a series of boosts, they're called. And whenever you when you take a, a, your first rank in a power, you get three of the boosts of your choice. And every time you gain another level in the power, you gain another boost as well. So, and the boosts are things that modify the powers, make them more versatile, more powerful. Maybe they make, they allow you to do something that's kind of related to the power. So you get all these little perks that kind of go along with it. So you could have somebody build, like you could build a character that uses the cold beam power, and I could build a character that uses the cold beam power, and we could have rel- fairly different cold beam powers. Mm-hmm. But the core effect will be, the standard effect will be the same, but then we could have whole, all different boosts, and you could do some things that I couldn't do. Cool. Well, I like that. And then we've we've talked about how you use the cards in the mechanics as well, using the playing cards in the mechanics. Um, with capers, was there anything that was difficult to make the cards do that you like? Because there's no dice in capers at all, right? It's all it's no. all playing cards. Yeah, zero yeah. dice. All everybody everybody every player has their own deck of cards, including the GM, and you draw from your deck. Oh, okay. So you have your own personal bad joker that's just waiting to come out. <laughs> Good, good. So helpful. So yeah, was it was it difficult at all to get the cards to do everything that you wanted them to do in the game, or everything that you needed them to do in the game? It was mostly nuances. Um, it was, you know, deciding exactly what the base target score for a moderate task would be, and then adjusting everything around that in order to get, like, the amount of success I want to see in the game. Okay. Like, whether you want a game where the characters tend to succeed, or whether it's super gritty and difficult to succeed. Right. Um... For the record, Capers is all about succeeding. It's the, nice. the system does lean towards success. Um, 
and then uh, you know it was it was finding things to do with with like the suits kind of I figured out what those were and yeah. there's there's different things that happen with the suits like if you if you succeed and you have spades that's the best suit it's a boon if you if you succeed with clubs which is the worst one it's a complication and so there's always a little something attached um, to spades or clubs yeah, same thing goes for failure it's either going to be you know it's going to be a botch or it's going to be You'll still, you know, it's called failure with motivation, where you fail with spades, you 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 fail, but mm-hmm. um, but you gain motivation and you gain a point of moxie that you have to use the next turn. Moxie is a resource in the game that gives you <laughs> that you can spend for bonuses. Excellent. And then you know it was like I, I wasn't originally call I mean like aces were high, so they're expected to be a success. But I had people saying, you know, hey, aces should really be really really cool because they're they're the crit of the cards, right? Right. Um, so aces became an automatic boon. Hmm. You know, okay. Um, which l- leads to interesting things like if you get the ace of clubs, it's a boon because it's an ace. It's a success and a boon, but it's also clubs, so it's a complication as well. Oh, I like that. Um, and then finding out exactly what the jokers did. There's a lot of little, just little nuance for the game mechanics um, to figure out what what each of the suits should mean. Okay. Um, and to not overly complicate it, there was a time when I was trying to give a, a, a meaning to every suit, and that got really rough because you had, you know, four suits with success, mm. four suits with failure, and you had to remember eight things. Oh no! <laughs> oh, so nope, I, that's too many things. <laughs> I turned it back to four. <laughs> Yay! So that's so that's capers more or less. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're jumping. What, what you're getting into uh, right now, which will be on Kickstarter when this episode goes up. Is is this a playset? Is Capers Noir? Yeah, it's a supplement. Supplement. That's the word. So, so Capers Noir. I'm curious. I feel like uh, the noir genre and like that 1920s kind of gangster thing get conflated a lot with each other. So, how is Capers Noir different, like narratively? How is this a different experience? The core game, the 20, the 1920s game, is intended to be kind of like you know, action-packed gangsters, shoot 'em up style, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and and prohibition and all of that flavor and. Capers Noir is set in the 1940s, mm. um, and uh, it takes it, it it shifts the game away from prohibition because you're out of there, and takes it into more like crime noir. So look at like your your there's all those great crime noir movies um, from like the 40s and the 50s, um, and there's plenty of modern day ones too. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, where everything's uh, you know there's usually some sort of a mystery. There's a lot of play of light and shadow. There's a lot of, like, uh, the characters tend to be very shades of gray. Um, yeah. And uh, there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's some, some, usually some shady stuff going on, some, some, some darkness. And I took it and decided, okay, I'm going to spin this a little bit further out that direction. And in the Capers world in the 40s, World War II has caused so much destruction and death that it's thinned that veil between our world and the, the, the world of the dead. And so ghosts cool. and things have crept through. So oh in Capers Noir, you could be investigating a murder and actually question the ghost of the deceased. What? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, and so there's ghosts and some other monster types. Nothing too over the top. It's all very Land of the Dead t- type mm-hmm. stuff. So it's like ghosts and revenants and poltergeists. Cool. Um, and a few other things, and uh, and they have uh, you know their own personalities, and you you can there's there's information about making deals and striking bargains with ghosts. Okay. Um, you can you can get a poltergeist that follows you around, and that's not a good thing for the record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I right. I built uh, I had uh, Chris Nizak came on board and helped out to write some investigation rules using oh, okay. the, the playing card system. So you've got a set of uh, a rules expansion that allows you to investigate mysteries, but doesn't stop you dead in your tracks if you fail a check. Ah, okay. Because that's the downside to investigation. Um, if you know Gumshoe or, or some of the more recent uh, investigation um, style mm-hmm. games, there's always, like, you're always getting a clue. You're always moving right. the stories forward. But there there might be downsides. You might not get as much information as you'd like. You might have to struggle a little more if you, if you don't uh, do well on your check. So there, that's in there. Um, and then because of the darkness factor and the, the little bit of a horror bite that's in the game, um, there's uh, a, a corruption thing happening, too, where your character can be, instead of just being sh- a shady character, your character is actually being influenced by dark forces. 
Oh and my you, gosh. You, you get a, uh, the characters can get what is referred to as um, they, they, they get ranks on the, on the shade track, which is the shade starts to take them over and they everything gets a little bit darker and worse about them. They can sometimes call upon that um, entity to do things. Okay. But they are, you know, there's something off about them. Like, you know, lights dim around them a little bit. They're always a little more dour. You know, they may not be the person you knew two years ago. Mm. Um, oh, my God. So I'm building that out. And there's, so there's, there's new player options and there's new powers that are kind of more appropriate to the, you know, to help the noir thing. So most okay. of the, most, so they are still super powered. Yeah, they're still super powered characters. Um, and it's still centered around criminals and law enforcement. It's just, um, crime noir mysteries and, and, and dealing with corruption and darkness and, um, the, yeah. the power, the new powers that are introduced and all the, um, all the expanded rule stuff all plays to that theme. Mm-hmm. But much of what's in there, all that, all that character stuff can be used just fine in capers. Like it's got new powers that you could use just fine in 1920s capers. Ah, okay. So it, it serves as both a supplement an expansion to capers, but also as an alternate setting that you can play this game in a, in, in, in the case of capers noir, the backdrop that is, that is provided for you is 1940s Los Angeles. Oh, cool. So it, it sounds like capers, the base game plays a lot like faster or like more that the action is, is higher. It's, it's, you know, faster paced. It's, it's more about, you know, the guns blazing and having these, these being good at stuff and having these kind of crazy adventures. Whereas the noir, it sounds to me is a little uh, lower key. It's moody. Moody. Yeah. Yeah. A little more moody, a little more um, slowly paced. Um, right. I mean, you can certainly have some shoot 'em ups if you want to. Um, yeah. Just like you can play a, uh, a relatively blood-free political game in the 20s, but uh, the the Capers Noir is intended to provide the information that you need, the framework to be able to do those types of stories. And it's, and it's a supplement unto itself and you need the Capers book to play it. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a 52 page book. It's, it's nothing but like cool stuff to add to Capers or to take you into this alternate setting. Okay, nice. And did you have to do much with the base mechanics to get to support that kind of different that different energy, I guess, that you're getting out of Capers Noir versus Capers, or does it was it pretty seamless? It's still pretty much the same base mechanic. Okay. The the investigation rules still take advantage of of the suits based on success or failure, so different things happen for for some of the suits. But then there's just stuff that's kind of that don't have to do with the cards specifically that are added on. Like you've got the one, you've got the shade track which goes from zero to five. You've got um, if you're doing the investigation right. thing, you can, the GM can create uh, like a countdown track. And you've seen these sometimes in, in other investigations where yeah. if you fail too many times, it starts to accrue bad things that happen. So there's right. like complications that get introduced or maybe the killer gets away. You might, you might solve the mystery and figure out who the killer is. But if you, if you fail too many times, you don't catch up to them in time. Ooh, okay. Um, and that set, and that sets you up for, you know, hunting the killer down later or maybe forgetting about them and then the GM can bring the killer back around six sessions later. Yeah. Ooh, I like those consequences. So I'm taking a taking a shot in the dark here. Supplements are notoriously hard sells for smaller indie games. Yeah. Is is that something that worries you at all or um... Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean as as people are listening to this, uh, Capers is either you know doing doing well or womp, womp. yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, <laughs> it's it's doing well enough. I I think to to get it made, even if it's right. just a squeak by. Right. Um, but whether or not there is going to be another supplement after Capers Noir yeah. is wholly dependent on how well Capers Noir does. If I can actually turn a little bit of a profit and. Yeah. Have have it be worth the time and the effort that I spent putting it together because I've got ideas for two more supplements. Oh yeah. But okay. this one needs to actually, you know, do better than squeak by. Right. Um But but for the record, you can get uh Cabris Noir in the in the Kickstarter and you can get the regular game too um for a really good price. So That's a good deal. So um, it's kind of the second go round for, for, for Capers too. It'll give people the opportunity to pick that up at a at a discount. Nice. Is is Capers Noir something you've been able to play test with folks? Um, yeah, I've played it a few times with people. I had some play testers um, take it through its paces, and in particular to look at the investigation mechanics. 
Yeah. How how has that um, response been? Generally good. Good. Um, it's it, to be honest, the investigation thing is pretty straightforward. Sure. Um, you know, you're going to gain a clue every time, and then it's just a question of, you know, is there some sort of bad thing that happens on the countdown track? Mm-hmm. Is uh, do you how, do you gain more information? Do you maybe get to ask some questions that the GM has to answer honestly? Gosh, um, yeah. <laughs> that allows you to, to that allows you to piece things together. So rules wise, uh, like I think probably the new powers were a little, I wouldn't say dicey, but I, I tried some things in the new powers here that I didn't try in um, some of the, the powers in the uh, mm-hmm. in the first game in the core game. Oh, so you know it's it's different stuff and it's you know slightly different. It's they're still structured the same way, but there's like little nuances that it's like, well, let's try this this way and see how this looks. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's exciting. As far as the investigative stuff goes, I know as a GM, when I do mysteries and that sort of thing, uh, it's it can be difficult to run that kind of game. Um, so how how does Capers Noir like how does it help GMs give these clues, or or is it all up to the GM to kind of know what they need to give out? Uh, well, there's there are guidelines to like running a mystery um, that helps you to helps a GM to kind of structure a mystery together. Yeah. And there's like you know each 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 scene, there's a clue and there's like how you find the clue and where it leads you to next. And it's kind of laid out for you. So you can kind of just, you can almost make like a bullet point list of like, okay, they're at this place and there's this stuff happens and they make this check and it leads them to there. Nice. Um, And then, and then on top of it, you provide like, and then you can provide like the details of like the extra stuff that they might learn if they do well on their check. And then that all kind of builds. Oh, Um, and, and it's not intended to necessarily be a game where an entire session is one mystery beginning to end. Like right. you end with solving the mystery. It might be you do some stuff and then you discover something's going on and you investigate and you learn a few things and then maybe something else, you know, kind of wraps the story or like there's, you can do it different ways. You can have a three step, you know, you can have a three scene mystery. Sure. You know, where you just have like, they discover one thing and they search for clues and they move on to the next and they, a couple more clues and then they get to, okay, now here's what's going on and now let's deal with it. And that awesome. becomes the rest of the story. Okay. Oh, I like that. Because like I, I love having mystery in games, but it's it's so daunting to make satisfying. I feel like mysteries are one of the hardest things to to pull off in a satisfying way. So having that having that help, having that framework is very very helpful. Yeah, the uh, the mystery side of things and the investigation rules are you know they're they're extensive. Like it's not a short read. It gets into a pretty good amount of detail. Yeah. And then in the player section, there's actually an example mystery that's like actually narrated out. Like this character is investigating this thing and here's the checks that the player is making. Here's oh. what's happening. So it takes you through mul- a, a few steps of a mystery and kind of sets you up for like, so you can see kind of how it might play at the table. Perfect. And then you talked a little bit about the powers. Are there any that you're particularly excited about? Oh boy. In the, in Cambers Noir? Yeah. Um, give our heroes something to look forward to here. <laughs> There's one in there that is it's it's a minor power. It doesn't do incredibly, you know, like wicked over the top things, but it's literally just controlling shadows, like manipulating shadows, oh. making shadows move and writhe, and you can make you know, you can turn them into distractions, oh you can help God. yourself hide. It's real simple little stuff, but because it's a noir thing, there's yeah. got, there, there should be shadow a lot of it, you know. Oh, anytime yeah. you're at night, there should be a lot of your story should it be set at night. That's so, so good. You can do some cool stuff with the shadow. There's a um, there's there's a power in in here called possession, which some of the monsters have, like the ghosts, which is like as far as I'm going to go into mind control with the game yeah. because you actually like you, it's almost astral projection in possession. It's like your spirit leaves the body and takes over somebody else's body, so your body is left like you know somebody could just come up and shoot you in the head. Oh, so there's a risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as opposed to having a, a power where you're just walking around telling everybody what they should do and they all just do it for you. Because mind control, um, it turns out, doesn't exist. It's not in the Capers game. I haven't. I'm, I have no plans to put it in there because it solves too many problems. Yeah. You know, you can solve absolutely any problem with mind control. <laughs> just control the person that does the thing well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that didn't happen in the game. because <laughs> it's, it's incredibly difficult yeah. um, to make it interesting and not just an auto in, in, an auto success on things. Right. Um, and then on top of it, there are some players that, like, the last thing they want to do is lose control of their character. Yeah, no, that's terrifying. <laughs> Ugh, I don't blame so, them. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few little different, you know, a few interesting little things in there. Cool. So, oh, a lot of little powers. Los Angeles is pretty fun. 
Bugsy Siegel. He's dead, and he's a ghost, and he wants revenge. Oh, good. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of shadows, uh, we did have one listener question that mm-hmm. came through. Um, engineer on Twitter, who uh, asks lots of good questions, wanted to know, uh, well, they asked if there was going to be pre-gens, but uh, if, if they'll be able to play the, the Phantom or the Shadow with <laughs> with Capers Noir. I saw that question, and yeah. so I had to go and make sure I knew what the Phantom and the Shadow yeah. could do. Yep. Um, so from from what I was able to, to put together, and this is this sounds this is about right what it, what I was thinking. Although I did discover a couple of interesting things about the Shadow. Um, the Phantom is effectively Batman. Yeah. Um, that is, he has no superpowers. He's in particularly uh, strong. He's very intelligent. And there's a myth of uh, surrounding him about how he's immortal. Mm-hmm. The Phantom has been around forever, and so that's that's like an intimidation thing. Like people are afraid because like you, know, you can't kill him. Um, so, I mean, you can certainly create that character. You can create a character. You can play a character that does not have powers, um, but who is otherwise very capable um, okay. and as tough as powered, super-powered characters. Um, in the game, there are, there are capers, which are the super-powered characters. There are exceptionals, which are characters that are particularly exceptional, but don't have powers themselves. And then there's regulars, which are, you know, you and me, most of the people. Yeah. So you can play that. You can certainly play a character that's pretty strong, pretty smart. The okay. shadow is interesting. Yeah. Um, the shadow is like the way he's presented. Is he's kind of a master of disguise. Um, he has multiple personas that he takes on. But if you wanted to take that in the direction of like actually changing shape, there is a mimic power in the game. Ooh. And the the shadow is is it's described in the in the in the stories as he has the ability to quote cloud men's minds. Um, which means that he can turn invisible. Like, he's there, but yeah. people don't see him. Yeah. So in somebody's, in the people's minds around him, they don't, they don't perceive him. So invisibility is in the game. Very cool. <laughs> and then some of the stories allowed, you know, allowed for a little bit of tele, uh, telekinesis and kind of hypnotism, um, and those types of powers are in the game as well. So yeah, you could totally create the shadow. You might have to create a higher level character uh, to get all those powers. But you could play the shadow. Yeah. Cool. All right, engineer. You'll have to put it together yourself a little bit, but it's totally there. So that's awesome. Of course, of course I've also had discussions with people like, can I make Wolverine? So, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's lots of superheroes that people want to be able to play. And it's like, well, okay, what does the 1920s version of yeah. of uh, Cyclops look like? You oh, know? gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a fun challenge, though, is is taking the pieces that you've you've laid out for us and kind of seeing what we can come up with. Uh, is there anything that you would like us to know about the Capers Noir Kickstarter, since that'll be going on right now? Well, it's uh, as we're recording this in advance, so I'm not 100% sure on what all the backer levels are going to uh, come out to. Totally but fair. basically, there there is a $10 backer level. For those of you who have Capers, it'll get you Capers Noir. Um, and that'll get you a PDF as well as a discount link to purchase um, a soft cover copy at cost later if you want, and that'll only cost you a few bucks more. Um, and then there will be uh, there are there are backer levels that you can get just the Capers game if you just want the the 1920s game, or you can get the the Capers game and Capers Noir. Uh, and I think I'm going to have a backer level in there too that is like here's everything that Capers has to offer. Which includes, like, um, I, I put together, there's a, uh, a set of themed playing cards that are, they're just regular playing cards, but they've got the Capers theme, and they've mm-hmm. got NPCs for the face cards. Oh, nice. um, and there's there's a Moxie deck, which is optional, but it allows you to do other cool stuff with your Moxie. There's paper minis and poster maps for people who like maps and minis. Um, so you can get, like, all that stuff for, like, a little bit more. Um, and you'll get, you know, discount links to purchase physical copies of, of anything that has a physical copy. So you can get those pretty cheap. Very cool. Uh, we'll definitely have links to all of that. Um, and then you mentioned earlier that you already have thoughts about further supplements. <laughs> do you want to ask? Do, I do want to ask. Are we allowed to know? Oh, absolutely. Because this is a selling point for Capers Noir. Yeah. The, what do you, the, what next, the next one doesn't happen unless Capers Noir does well. Yeah. So if you want to see Capers Covert, Ooh, okay. that one will be set in 1960s and will take the game into James Bond style classic super spy territory. Oh, nice. With gizmos and superpowers. Oh, 
and supervillains in crazy layers. Oh, good, good. Um, the backdrop for that one, I think, will be Las Vegas. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and I think I'll probably pr- include a few one-page uh, write-ups for some international stuff. I'll actually take the game around the world to, because you know, what's James Bond if you don't uh, like go to Hong Kong or you know something? Yeah, exactly. Rome. So I'll probably give a little bit of uh, information on some other uh, other cities around the world. And um, then, of course, assuming that Capers Covert does well, mm-hmm. the hope is to do Capers Offworld, oh. which is going to be, think, Buck Rogers slash Flash Gordon uh. slash Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, shoot. Criminals and cops in space yeah. with other planets and time travel to connect all three of the eras. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and each one will have new powers, new rules expansions. Um, the hope for Capers Covert is to have the complete vehicle uh, chase and combat rules, because what's a James Bond story if you don't have a good car chase? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Capers Offworld, of course, will get into some planets, and uh, there'll be aliens, and uh, <laughs> space travel and spaceships, and uh, yeah, that's the hope. But, but if that's going to happen... Capers Noir needs to do well. All right. So, counting on all of you listeners. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for for teasing that. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Um, Well, is there anything else that you'd like us to know about Capers? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm never going to get used to doing this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, If you have any compunctions, listeners, about Capers and whether or not it's a quality game, um, please know that it actually won an award. How the heck did that happen? Yeah. Uh, it won a BAMFC, B-A-M-F-C, um, which is uh, awards they give out to superhero uh, games. Um, Wonderful. Or 2018, it was the judge's choice for uh, one of the judges. That's awesome. Uh, uh, John John McMullen was the, the guy who, who picked that one. Nice. It's like, you know, a cool mashup. So, you know, gangster, <laughs> super mashup. It is a cool um, matchup. Which, which is, it's weird. I, like, <laughs> I won an award. You did! For making a game about pew, pew, pew! You know, it's uh-huh. like, <laughs> it's, it's very bizarre. It's incredibly flattering. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I like the most about this is that it is a general award for the whole game. Which mm. means that my artist is now an award-winning artist. My graphic designer is an award-winning graphic designer. Aww. My cartographer and layout person are award-winning at that you know everybody everybody had a part yeah um it's not just best rules which is don't get me wrong if i want a best rules thing that'd be cool right but it's you know oh. it's it, it it uh i pride myself with the people that i've surrounded me with because there's a lot of stuff i cannot do right um and i found some people that that do some really cool stuff and they help to make the game happen so this is that award is a win for all of us yeah it feels so good when you can share that kind of stuff with with everybody like, oh, well, congrats to you and to all of your team. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's so cool. I have to go back now at the beginning of the episode and award-winning capers. Uh, <laughs> you have to, every, every time you say capers now, you have to preface it with award-winning games. That's capers. so weird. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> well, very cool. Craig, where can we find you and your work and your games? Uh, where can we find you and award-winning game Capers online? <laughs> um, you can find all, all sorts of stuff about me and my games at nerdburgergames.com. Um, I blog there. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, you can learn about everything that's going on. With uh, And I try to be pretty transparent transparent, and keep up to speed with, you know, let people know what's going on. Yeah. You can pick up, you can buy these games at drivethroughrpg.com. But the best place to go for any of the caper stuff right now is the Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, I also do a podcast with a friend of mine. Comes out every Wednesday. It's been about going on six years every single Wednesday. Oh, wow. Called Nerdburger Show. It's at nerdburgershow.com. We just talk about a lot of geeky stuff. We have different guests on. It's... It's it's a geeky potpourri um, slathered over with a whole bunch of humor, Good. very conversational. And uh, there's a there's a, a Discord channel too, which I'm fairly active on. Um, it's it's you need to get an invite for that. But if you go to nerdburgergames.com, if you go to the like the contact us page, there's a link to all that stuff. Um, and uh, I am at nerdburgercraig on the twitters. Excellent. And I will round up all of those links for uh, for heroes to check out on our 
on our show notes on the website. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I finally got to actually be on a one, uh, one shot podcast network podcast. Is that, yeah. that the way you say that? Yeah. Uh, capers, did they, yeah, capers, they, 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 they played play capers. capers. They played okay. capers a year ago, right. but, um, I wasn't involved cause I what? don't live in Chicago. Oh. I know I, there was, there was a slim chance, a very brief period where it looked like maybe they were going to record that at PAX unplugged. Yeah. Um, and I was there, but then that yeah. not, that that couldn't happen. It just yeah. the, the logistics of it fell through. So they ended up playing um, with Chicago local people, and I got to listen um, to somebody else run my game. <laughs> did did they do it justice? Well, James certainly puts a spin on things. They they present their you know, they present <laughs> games in a way like it's very James, right? Yeah, it's very oh, yeah. James and, and, and that crew. Yeah. Um. They they only occasionally got the rules wrong. Okay. That's was that's fun. pretty good for them, though. But it was fun, yeah. and everybody clearly enjoyed themselves. So, uh, fine. That's a house rule as far as I'm cool. concerned. Play it the way James played it. All right. I'm good with that. Nice. <laughs> Once you buy the game, it's not mine anymore. You can do whatever you want with it. That's very true. And heroes should go buy the game. Yay. Thanks again to Craig for being on and sharing his process. You can find his links and the Kickstarter in the show notes. There's only a week left, so if you liked anything you heard here, go help Craig make it happen. And thank you, heroes, for everyone I got to see, however briefly, at Dreamation and at Breakout. It's always a joy to meet you in person. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. The most fun way to learn about new games is to listen to them get played. Every week on OneShot, James D'Amato brings you actual play recordings with a talented cast of improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds. Each month features a new group trying a new system, exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere, and it's a great way to discover new games. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at CatGreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.